speaking on a topic today that I don't think anybody is fond of. Uh, Waiting is something that I have not become a professional at. I don't have a whole lot of patience. Um, It's gotten better over the years. But I think that we can all agree that we just don't like that season of life. We live in a culture and a society where we get things right now. 10-minute oil changes, microwaved meals, fast food everywhere. We did that, that's, that's how I came up. I get everything right now. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. If you are in a place, if you have been in a place, I can also guarantee you will be in a place where you will be waiting. And I hope this message can encourage you. We're going to be in the book of John, story of Lazarus. Uh, I'm not going to read the whole story, but we're going to be in chapter 11, verses 17 through 27. Let's read. Now, when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would, would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. Pray with me if you would. Lord, thank you for a word. Thank you for a truth. Thank you for a foundation so great a rock to stand on, Lord, that when we begin to waver, when we begin to wonder, when we begin to, to look into ourselves for the answers, Lord, that we can always go back to your word, to your truth, to center us, God. Thank you for that. Lord, uh, help me to decrease so that you can increase in this moment, God, and just use me as a vessel, Lord, to communicate your word to your people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I didn't grow up in the church. I know you can't tell. But I got saved when I was 20 years old. And I've, I've been full force ever since. And there's a lot I learned from Christians talking uh, about the word, about Jesus, about church life. Because Christians, they have these sayings, right? Christians say these things. And there's a lot of Christian sayings you hear in church. And maybe you've heard some of them. One might be, God is good all the time. And all the time... God is good, right? There's, there's another one. It goes that God is never late. He is always on time. But is he really, though? Sometimes he feels really late. Now, I don't believe that God is ever late, but how many can say that he's never early? Amen. Sometimes he feels really late. I think that God operates on a different timetable. If you follow Jesus, you begin to discover this. And and it's not shocking to me, and I don't think it should be shocking to you, because me and Lexi, we operate on a different timetable. She may say, give me five, 
Well, we know it doesn't mean five minutes. It means five hours, five days, five more chances to say five. Maybe your kids, when you're getting them ready for school in the morning, or, or you want chores done, or, or, or maybe some of your coworkers at work, you have deadlines, and they're not operating on the same timetable as you will. I will guarantee you that God works much outside of our time. I love living here in Satellite Beach because I'm used to the hustle and bustle of the city. Los Angeles traffic, it could take 45 minutes to go five miles up the highway. But now I live at the beach and we're on island time, baby. We might just be right across the causeway, but guess what? If you're a real member here, you ain't showing up till 9.15. You know what time the party gets started, right? I believe that some of us in this faith journey are in a season of waiting. And God knows that you're waiting. God is working in the waiting. And I come in here this morning to encourage you that. And and you're waiting and you're wanting God to move and it just feels like God is late. In John chapter 11, we discover this story about Lazarus. And Lazarus was one of Jesus' dearest friends, the brother of Mary and Martha. Mary was the one who anointed Jesus' feet and she stayed at his feet. And Martha was the one who was angry cooking in the kitchen. When we see Jesus in this story, he he gets in between a cat fight between Mary and Martha. How many really know that Jesus really is God? Jumping in between these two as they're arguing. These were his dearest friends. So here Lazarus is sick, sick to the point he is about to die. So Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, they are waiting for a healing. They are waiting for Lazarus to get healed. Number one, the first point, if you're a note taker, is a waiting season does not have to be a wasted season. A waiting season does not have to be a wasted season. Isaiah 40, 31 says, But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. I have learned that worry brings distance between me and God. And maybe you've been in this situation where where you're worrying. It's bringing distance between you and God. But when you begin to worship, when you begin to pray, when you begin to praise, when you begin to read, it actually brings you closer to God. And I got this idea from James chapter four, where it says, draw near unto God and he will draw near unto you. Not my words, his words. So when you're in the waiting season, when you're in the worrying season, begin to worship Begin to read, begin to draw near to God so that he can bring you the peace that passeth understanding. So that he can bring you the encouragement that you need. Mary and Martha, they don't waste the moment. Instead, they write a letter to Jesus. The challenge many of us have is when we start waiting for something, we then start to worry. Many of us want everything right now immediately. So often we get into a season of waiting for God to do something and we just count down the days till he actually shows up. I actually think that God is saying, I want you to learn something in this season of waiting that before I do something through you, 
I want to do something in you. God wants to shape us. He wants to develop us. He wants to grow us in patience. Ouch. That's not fun. It sucks. I get it. We can be real, right? Like that, that's, it's not a fun one. The, the, God is so different from you and I. God has no problem being patient. The Bible says that he is slow to anger and that he is rich in mercy. God doesn't mind waiting. You know, I rented a car not too long ago. I was in Nashville. And it has this feature that my car doesn't have. I drive an 03. So when I don't wear my seatbelt in my car, it doesn't yell at me. But in this car, it begins to beep. Now, I've rented a car before. I know what a beep sounds like. Beep, beep. And eventually, it'll even go off. You clip a little wire, whatever you want to do. But... But this car starts to beep, and it beeps faster and louder. It goes beep, 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 beep. It's driving me crazy. I started thinking that this car cares more about me than I do. It just wants me to put a seatbelt on so that I'll be protected. It doesn't matter how much I yell at my car. It is programmed and hardwired to beep until I obey. Some of you understand this analogy because you may be drifting away, you may be worrying, and God keeps going, beep, 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 beep. God, stop! And God says, I'm not going to stop because I am hardwired and I am programmed to love you. I will never deny you. I will keep chasing you. I want to protect you. God's timing, not ours, church. God will wait on you. God will wait on you until he is ready to grant and to give you the miracle that you need. Why? Because God doesn't waste miracles. What if your miracle is not for your immediate gratification, but what if the thing that you're praying for, God wants glory through the miracle? God is preparing you and developing you, saying to you in the waiting to stay patient, to don't waste the season. Wait on me. I will show up. Do you trust him? Most of the time we don't. If we're going to be honest, maybe it's just me. I don't know. But in the process, he's saying, in the process of waiting, why don't you become more like me? Woman of God, your life does not start once you get married. It already started. Dude who's not married, I just need a wife. Trust me, I've been there. But enjoy it. Keep the posters up. Keep the action figures on the shelf. Hang the jerseys on your wall just a little bit longer. Hold on to the remote. It leaves quickly. Discover in your waiting who you can become. You see, you think that you're waiting on God, but in reality, God's waiting on you. If you are not prepared to receive what he has for you, he can't give it to you. He is now unable because of you. 
Jason, Kansas City wasn't going to throw a, a, a touchdown if the running back wasn't prepared to catch the ball, right? You have to be prepared to receive. Discover in your waiting who you can become. God doesn't waste miracles. God has a purpose and he is, has a plan and it is way bigger than you and me and what we think. The Bible says that Mary and Martha didn't waste the moment. They said, let's draw close to Jesus. Let's reach out to Jesus. So what do they do? They write him a letter. And this is kind of cool. If you were going to write a letter to Jesus, what would you write in order to get his attention? The Bible says that they write a really simple letter. It says, Jesus, the one you love is sick. They appeal to Jesus, not on Lazarus' merit, but on Jesus' love for Lazarus. Amen. When you appeal to God, do you appeal based upon your level of spirituality and maturity? What if I told you that Jesus' love for you is enough to capture his concentration? His basic love for you is enough that your faith, your merit, your good deeds, your checklist, none of these impress him. None of them. I don't care what kind of accolades you have. God is not a respecter of persons. It doesn't matter how many homeless you've fed. It doesn't matter how many people you've prayed for and helped out. Jesus' love, without all of these great things that you've done in your Christian life, just Jesus' love is enough. His love is what draws him close to you. Nothing that you could do. Only his love is what draws him close to you. Ephesians 2.8 says that by grace through faith, by grace through faith, that means that faith is a byproduct of grace, meaning that you couldn't have faith in God if he didn't allow you to. You couldn't even have faith in God if he didn't let you get a glimpse of who he was. How dare we think that we can impress him, that we could do something to make him look our way. God, look at this awesome ministry I got going on over here. Lord, you're in this. And he's just as much in this as, as he is the person who's, who's dealing with two kids over at their ministry. There's nothing I can do It's all because of the way he loves me. So Mary and Martha, they write a letter. The Bible says that Jesus receives the letter. And he says to the people around him at the time, he says, this sickness will not end in death, but rather God will get glory through this. And the son of man, speaking of himself, will be glorified. Then the Bible says he decided to wait two more days. What? Jesus says, it's not going to end in death. I love you back. I'm going to wait two more days. Excuse me. God, I I need you. I need this now. I need this miracle now. This is somebody I love. This is somebody you love. It's not going to end in death. I love you back. See you in two days. Point number two, just because you're delayed does not mean that you are denied. Just because you're delayed does not mean that you are denied. Understand that there is something bigger that is happening with the miracle that God is doing in your life. It's not just for you. Number one, first, it's for him. And it's for all the people around you. Jesus, I don't think you heard our letter. 
Your boy, the one you love, Lazarus, is about to die. You love him. Remember, you love him. I do love him. I'll see you in two days. Not what I wanted to hear. A lot of times in our situation, not what we want to hear. For some of us, that's where we're at. You've got this faith. You know how to pray. You believe that God loves you, but you are delayed. Never place a period where God has placed a comma. I want to remind you that just because you're delayed, it does not mean that you've been denied. He hasn't finished writing your story. He's up to something. He is at work. God is doing something. He is working. He will get the glory. Continue. Stay the course. Jesus leaves where he's at and he gets to Bethany. And when he arrives, Lazarus has already been dead four days. He walks up to the scene and Martha's there just frustrated and broken and angry again. And you were too late. Where were you? You waited too long. Your friend Lazarus is dead. We put him in the tomb. He's been dead four days. What I have come to learn about God is that if he always meets our expectations, we give him no room to exceed our expectations. The Bible says that she marches Jesus to the tomb. When he gets to the tomb, he says, roll away the tomb. And she goes, no, Jesus, it's been four days. The smell, the smell is so bad. It will be unbearable. Jesus, he really is dead in there. Jesus says, roll the stone away. I love this picture here. Ephesians 3 says that now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think. God is even bigger than your imagination. Things that you have been dreaming up and things that you have been thinking about. He exceeds it far more. In this time period, the Jews had a custom or or teaching that at four days after death, they believed that when you're dead, you're dead, but that at four days after death, that is actually when your spirit or your soul left the body. What I love about Jesus is he exceeds, right? He exceeds. Mary and Martha wanted a healing, but Jesus wanted a resurrection, You may be wanting to heal your brokenness right now. You may want a healing in your life, but Jesus wants to resurrect something that's dead, something that you've forgotten, something that you didn't think that you deserve, something in your life that you've been dreaming of. He wants to resurrect that in your life, not just heal it. Jesus said, no, I'm about to show you just exactly who I am. What do you do when your situation does not match up with your expectation? We said till death do us part, but he left me. I had the dream job, but I was let go. It was the child I wanted, but they passed. I had an expectation, but the situation doesn't line up with it, God. I believe that when this happened, God wants to give you a revelation. All that means is he wants to reveal to you who he really is. He wants to show you what he is capable of. I know your situation doesn't line up with your expectation. I know he's been dead for four days, but I want to show you who I am. I am the resurrection and the life. 
Jesus doesn't do miracles. He doesn't do resurrection. He says, I am resurrection. You get around me and dead stuff starts to wake up. Your dead dreams start to come to life. Roll away the stone. No, it smells too bad. Roll away the stone. No, I don't want you to see what I've been trying to hide from you, Jesus. Roll away the stone. No, it's too bad. My life, it's too jacked up. He can't use me. I'm not good enough. I've been in sin. Three other stories aside from Jesus' resurrection in the Bible. A little girl who's been dead for a few hours, a young man in Luke chapter 7 who's dead and and Jesus says, get up and rise to life. And then we have this story, Lazarus, an older man who's been dead for four days. I think Jesus waited four days on purpose. Jesus wanted to break their customs, their traditions. He wanted them to get outside of their little box. Jesus doesn't care if it's been four years. If he speaks to it, something is going to change. They finally rolled away the stone. And I'm going to end with this. They finally rolled the stone. The Bible says that Jesus wept. Jesus wept for his dearest friend. Maybe you don't know any Bible. It's a verse right there. Good verse to know. Jesus wept. For his dear friend Lazarus. Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. The Bible says everyone there began to praise Jesus and give him glory. As Lazarus comes out wrapped in mummy clothes, looking like a Michael Jackson thriller video. How many of you know that if he didn't say Lazarus come forth then every dead thing in that graveyard would have got up and walked. But he had to call Lazarus by name. Because when Jesus speaks, something happens. Everyone there began to praise Jesus and give him glory. The miracle wasn't just for Lazarus. It was for everybody around Lazarus. Here's the deal, church. Now, Lazarus is going to die again. It's inevitable. Me and you, if Jesus doesn't come back, we are going to die. But if we are in Jesus, we too have resurrection and life. Lazarus' story is just truly a beautiful picture of the resurrection, of salvation. Amen? Amen.